Welcome to BIB Today, the podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and executive editor. You know, the benefits of technology are not always shared by everyone. There's considerable cleavage between the haves and the have-nots. Today, we're going to look at a very innovative outfit, the BC Technology for Learning Society. And it, it takes donated computers and it refurbishes them for schools, for nonprofit entities, for low-income Canadians. It's a very, very interesting program that's been around now for, well, probably about 25 years. My guest is Mary Ann Waddington. She's its executive director. Good to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Kurt. This is a great program. I mean, uh, you know, and I've watched it uh, from afar for a while, uh, but tell me a little bit as we start about just the scope in this country of uh, what it's been able to provide. Sure. So Computers for Schools is one of, is the main program that we deliver here at BC Technology for Learning Society. And it was announced as the government program by Kim Campbell when she was prime minister in 1993. So we're actually celebrating our 30th anniversary this month. Wow. And uh, in that time, uh, there's been Computers for Schools programs set up in every province and territory across Canada. And collectively, we've donated or repurposed 2 million computers, which we've put back into, as you said, schools, nonprofits, and into low-income family homes. The work that we've done specifically in BC on this has generated 195,000 computers that we've been able to, uh, to contribute back to society. What's the process? I mean, is it just, you know, could I take my old laptop and bring it on in and and you take it away and make it wonderful again for somebody else to use? Is that it's as simple as that? It is pretty much as simple as that. Um, I mean, it's simple for you, for you, the donor. It is that simple. Um, for us, it is a lot more complicated because your computer or laptop is going to come with your personal and sensitive data and information on there. So we have to be third-party audited. We have to have very stringent processes and procedures in terms of how we're wiping hard drives to make sure that um, over 30 years that there has been no leaks of anyone's personal information or data. Yeah. Uh, let's get into the weeds a little bit. Is there software that comes with the computer? Or is it just kind of a, you know, a, a shell that then you have to equip with software? So when part of our refurbishing process is to deploy Microsoft product on there, we are an a Microsoft authorized refurbisher, and that allows us to deploy uh, still Windows 10, but uh, certainly moving towards Windows 11 in the next few months, as well as for some of our clients, uh, we can put the Office suite on there as well. In other cases where a client may not want or may not be eligible for the Microsoft products, we usually will put a Linux and Zorn process on there. So we're just look, looking to open source software as well. But we do want to make sure that it is um, fully functional and ready for a the new user to pick up and to immediately be, begin to start using it. So I wonder, Maryam, if there is a uh, any kind of hesitance around, uh, around people declaring their need for this. I mean, do, have we now come to the point where people aren't uh, awkward or delicate about asking for this kind of support? Um, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, needs exist where needs exist. And uh, we have, in addition to computers for schools, uh, the tech at home program and in partnership with TELUS, the internet for good program. And across the three programs that we're delivering here, all of them are geared at making sure that people in need who you know, need either more technology, if it's a school or a nonprofit, or if it's something needed in the home, that it is um, an easy 
and streamlined process for them to follow. Uh, with the low-income families that we're supporting, there are some qualifiers that uh, we are looking to see to make sure that uh, it's going to where it is truly needed, but um, at the same time, not being overly burdensome or um, invading privacy too much. Yeah. You talk about the the effort that has to be put in to the refurbishing of it. Uh, I mean, it's obviously you're not just wiping them down with a cloth and uh, put it, sending them out the door, but there's also this large contingent of people who actually do the refurbishing. And I want to ask you about the jobs that you've kind of created in that space. In addition to the Computers for Schools program, that goes hand in hand with the Computers for Schools interns program. And so we do receive government funding each year to hire, depending on the funding bracket or envelope that year, anywhere between nine to 20 interns for the year. And so these youth will be between the ages of 15 and 29 um, in um, having done some work in the post-secondary um, sphere, usually around wanting to develop a career in IT. And uh, the initial impetus of the program was to make sure that youth who did want to pursue a career in IT, who may have gone to school but didn't actually have that like six months or one year experience that a lot of employers were looking at. They had the book learning, but they didn't have the experience and so the internship program really helps to bridge that divide as well to make sure that youth are getting experience to supplement uh, what they've been learning in the classroom and really make sure that they are like literally getting their hands dirty, fixing these uh, fixing these computers. And when they walk out of the internship program, they have worked on every manufacturer uh, IT product. They've worked on multiple devices. They've played printers, fax not fax machines anymore, but... Uh, um, printers and laptops and computers, and those are now turning into mini PCs as well as a, an array of math equipment as well. But there's quite a variety of equipment that we do receive in and work to refurbish and distribute. And in the process, we are supporting a number of youth each year um, to build the, their experience and uh, help them get good jobs in the IT sector as they move forward. We also take a complement of high school students each year as well, and they are usually youth who are also interested in pursuing a career in IT in some fashion. And they come in through their uh, guidance counselors at high school who and provide one week of volunteering with us. And uh, in exchange, we provide them with all of that inventory management training that they do, so they do some time in the warehouse. Um, and then they move into the workshop where they're doing more um, peer-based learning in terms of how to refurbish the computers. So it's uh, teaching both the complement of um, the hard hardware skills as well as the soft skills and people management and peer learning. Do the employees or do the interns uh, also get a great deal of value from understanding uh, the social nature of this and the uh, the the purpose of trying to um, to share technology with those that are, have far less advantage. Yeah. So usually when we're doing the onboarding process, I will uh, caution everyone when they're starting. I'm like, you know, this is this is going to get a little bit repetitive. There's like it's procedures, it's work. Um, some of this is going to get repetitive. But I do do say, you know, please keep in mind, especially when it comes to the cleaning, the physical like removing of the coffee stains and the dust bunnies from the computers. This is going into someone's home where they have not had a computer before. And we really want this to be a good and positive experience for them. So sometimes we do have stigmas about receiving used equipment or, you know, I have to get someone's used stuff. And we do want to make sure that it looks new and that it is um, it has been refurbished to a high caliber. So making sure that uh, youth are aware of where the equipment is going and the importance of that, that social connection 
definitely does help them, you know, kind of build more pride in their work as well, because they know it is important to whoever's going to be receiving it. Yeah. If it were a donor like me, I would probably give you a laptop every four or five years, but you must have large scale donors as well. Big business, uh, you know, uh, you know, wherever it may go, who are some of the larger firms that, uh, that you've got linked in, uh, to the tech for learning society? Yeah. So because we're delivering a government of Canada program computers for schools, um, we do have first right of refusal on all federal equipment that is being surplused out of those offices. And that's mm-hmm. something that's been written into treasury board language. So it is quite protected to ensure the success of the program, as well as to make sure that the federal government is is meeting their greening goals and aspirations in terms of how their procurement is being treated at end of life. And additionally, we get a lot of support from TELUS. And that, again, speaks to why we're partnered on the TELUS Internet for Good program as well, which which seeks to provide uh, 10 or $20 a month internet for families. And then they can choose to get a device through us. Um, but we also get a lot of equipment from local post-secondary institutions. And uh, this year at our donor recognition event, we were particularly pleased to recognize Langara, who's been a long-term um, 20-year donor, as well as Capilano University in the past, and uh, KPU, who is a new donor. But um, all of these post-secondary institutions have been providing a lot of gear to us over the um, over the years, and we very much appreciate that because it again it it speaks to the procurement, it speaks to the greening of how we want to make sure that our assets are being well taken care of at the corporation's end of life. Certainly not the pieces end of the end of life, and uh, it helps to build a good story and for businesses about how their end-of-life assets are being taken care of, supporting youth and environments and um, education. Because I would imagine that, uh, if, say, 30 years ago, when, when everything was launched, that we weren't really thinking about this as a greening process. We were just simply thinking of it as trying to do something with equipment that we thought was either obsolete or had been uh, overtaken by newer technology. So so are you witnessing now where where that is really baked into a lot of corporations and a lot of uh, public agencies' plans that they they almost budget for eventually coming to you? Yes, very much so. Uh, certainly to your point about what we were seeing 30 years ago, you know, just the cost of computers back then was so so prohibitive that a lot of schools could not afford equipment. And so we really were um, a benefit to a lot of them. And how the whole conversation around recycling and reuse has evolved in the last 25 years has been quite interesting to watch and see. Um, and particularly in the in the late 90s, early 2000s, when there was a, uh, a lot of illegal shipping going on and great concerns about uh, e-waste and how it was being handled in our, in our systems and how dangerous it was to go into landfill and how that was impacting eventually our air and our water. Um, so we are very fortunate in BC to have a good stewardship plan that does help with end-of-life recycling um, for assets. And our goal here really is to delay that end of life process. We know that a computer is eventually going to go to the recycling depot and and be shredded. And that's really what I think of as recycling in this sphere. And we're really trying to look at reuse and extending the useful life of these assets, um, often by double from when you, as you said, if I donate my laptop, it's you know four to five years old. And then if we are successfully able to refurbish that, it can have another, you know, two to three, four years of life come out of it again. It last, last area, and, and uh, you can speak to the need that's still out there. Um, I think, again, we, you know, the technology prices have 
come down. They they seem to have stabilized at a certain floor right now, but you can still get uh, quite a computer for for the money, uh, if you want to say that. Um, but what need still really exists out there? How vast is it? So each year we're deploying approximately 6,000 computers. And so I think that is kind of, and certainly we're not capturing everyone. We're happy to, but if people don't know, then they don't know. But we, we think that that's where that kind of average need exists in. Uh, certainly when when COVID hit in 2020 and all of the schools were shut down uh, and there was a, lo- a large number of students that were sent home as all schools closed and did not have a device at home. And so the closest metric that we've ever seen came from the Ministry of Education about the number of devices that school districts were then lending um, their assets to students um, to use at home during the early days of the pandemic. And so that was about 20,000 uh, students across BC that needed to uh, to borrow something from the school district to take home. So I think there, the need does still exist. And we, we see it certainly with new immigrant families uh, to Canada, but there's also a lot of um, just, you know, if it's single moms or if it's just someone who's doing uh, job retraining and their current industry has gone under and they're looking to do job retraining, uh, sometimes these these people need to need a need a computer too where they hadn't needed one before. And the other um, kind of like new market that we're really finding um, more exploding growth in is with seniors um, also wanting to have a computer at home where a lot of them have never had one before, didn't see the need to have one at home. And now they're like, yeah, I think it's time for us to uh, time to get on here. So many of our right. government services and our banking services and the way that we communicate and stay in touch with people is done online now. And if you don't have that device, it really impacts your ability to engage and connect. So I should ask, I should have known this actually before we started talking, but uh, is this, is this also what you're, what you're starting to get into or is it really uh, yeah. laptops and, you know, phones as well. Nice. The devices that are used to connect to the internet, really, that's, that's what we're looking for. Great. Well, congratulations on this. It's a, it's a really pretty important accomplishment and you're uh, really proud to be around um, a province that actually takes it seriously and, and uh, looks at this as a, an important measure of sharing. Um, so thanks for your time today, Marielle. Thank you, Kirk. Appreciate it. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and executive editor at BIV. Thanks a lot for watching. <laughs>